Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way.
Save our morning offering at this time, please. Brother Pedigo, will you lead our prayer for us?
hymns entitled Follow Me. And look up the words to it. It's beautiful. Y'all are looking good this morning. For so many to be absent, y'all look, look really good. We've got, well, you're welcome. Um, and, uh, you know, the choir sounds good, even though two-thirds of them are in Gatlinburg partying right now uh, without us. So we're going to try to make them feel bad on Facebook. That's what I'm doing, okay? Um, as was said tonight, come back tonight, 6 o'clock. If you have a favorite hymn, we're going to be singing from the hymnal in the rack. And uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to shout out a number and see if Miss Linda can play it and uh, see if we can lead it. Uh, Y'all pray for us this morning. I'm dealing with the allergies. Choir, will you stand as we continue to worship our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Be unto your name. Yeah. 
have your Bibles, open them to, oh, never mind, that's his part. I just wanted you to know, again, how good you look this morning. Uh, you're welcome, Danny. You're welcome. And uh, in just a moment of time, our pastor's going to stand and preach a sermon out of Psalm 91. I hope he is, unless he changed his mind this morning. Um, entitled, Safe in the Arms of Christ. And uh, this song, I thought, lent itself right into his sermon. Sheltered safe in the arms of God. with me and not 
sheltered safe within the arms of kidding they are a good-looking bunch this morning now for those of you gentlemen whose wives are in Gatlinburg or on the way back from Gatlinburg or wherever they are I will respect the fact that this afternoon you need to get home and put your house back in order <laughs> before they get here You'll need to stick things in closets and pitch things in cabinets, and that way when she walks in, she'll say, oh, you kept the house clean. Chances are it'll be a week or so before she opens that closet, and she may very well forget you stuffed all that stuff in there. So I will respect the fact that you need to get there in the interest of time as we preach through this text. Don't worry. Psalm chapter 91, safe. In the arms of Christ, safe in the arms of Christ. And, and, and as we dive into this psalm, uh, it's one that's been uh, often quoted and it's, it's been leaned on for strength in times of trouble. It's been uh, used as a source of perseverance for believers. And all week long, I struggled with the preparation of this text, uh, really, honestly, right up until uh, yesterday, uh, I really wrestled with whether or not this was the text uh, that, that we were going to be. I felt like God had, had placed it on my heart a week or so ago, and, and it was the direction. But as it kept going, it just kept getting more and more difficult because it has been quoted in such a positive connotation so many times. Uh, and it'd be very easy to take this psalm in and of itself and, and kind of preach uh, what I would call a prosperity gospel standpoint or a, a big let's smile real big and let's all be happy and let's look at, at one verse out of context and, uh, and kind of go that route. And if you're not careful with this text, you kind of start to head down a road that I don't feel like lines up with the theme of the whole Bible. And if you're, you're heading in a direction and it doesn't kind of work with the theme of the whole Bible, then you're not interpreting it correctly. And so we were kind of looking, and I really wrestled with it all week long. And so, so here's the big conundrum when you look at this psalm. You don't want to preach a prosperity gospel, but you don't want to make light of the promises of God. We can't pretend like the promises of God are not there, the promises of protection and safety and all of those things. And so we're going to attempt this morning to look through this psalm in such a way that we provide context for its location, we look to define the promises that are laid out within the psalm. We look to the conditions of the promises that are laid out in the psalm and, and to try not to overuse the, the imagery that we find in the language of how it's written while not forgetting this simple truth that the theme of the text is this. We are safe in the arms of Christ. 
So please stand if you're able in the house this morning for the reading of the holy words of our holy God from Psalm chapter 91. We will be reading all 16 verses. And he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you, to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high. Because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let us pray. Father God, even now we pray that your spirit's presence would not be taken lightly. That God, we would dwell in your word for just a few moments together. And that as we do so, we would draw nearer to you. God, if there be anything in this house that hinders our worship of you, would you please bind it and remove it at this moment from our minds and our spirits. God, we will give you the praise and the honor and the glory for all the things that you do in our life. And it is in your precious heavenly name that we pray. As all God's children said, amen and you may be seated. The first thing we need to to look at this morning as we dive in is the promises of protection. The promises of protection. Now Psalm 91 is situated, obviously for you math scholars, I don't need anybody to come and, and tell me a math lesson afterwards. Situated firmly between Psalm 90 and Psalm 92. I'm not trying to give you a mathematical location of Psalm 91. I think even those of you from Jackson County knew that 91 was between 90 and 92. What what I want you to know is that Psalm 91 is situated perfectly between Psalm 90 and 92. And here's what I mean. Uh, Psalm 90 was written by Moses. It's the, the, the crux of the truth of Psalm chapter 90, if you were to read through the whole thing, is that God is eternal and man is fleeting in but a moment. Uh, Moses writes in Psalm 90 that a day with God is as of a thousand years, and he's speaking of the unchanging and eternal nature of our holy God. But then he says that man lives for 70 years and perhaps 80 in good labor. Speaking of the fact that while God is eternal and never changing, man's life is 70 to 80 years if he lives what we would consider a a good long life in good labor. And he speaks to the fact that because of, of the state of man as a result of sin... Man's life is spent in a state of labor and in a state of decay and in a state of falling away because of who we are. 
And then so, so Moses writes this in Psalm 90. It's kind of a, a lamenting psalm. And then if you look forward to Psalm 92, you'll see that Psalm 92 is what we would call a psalm of thanksgiving. And so you lament in chapter 90. In chapter 92, you thank God for everything that he does for you. So you go from lamenting to thanksgiving. And so Psalm 91 here, in the middle of these two great psalms, is what we would call a psalm of protection. So, so you're essentially having a response. You have a psalm of lament over the situation, and then you have a psalm asking God for his protection, and then a psalm thanking God for what he did to protect you about what you were lamenting about. So, so I wanted to make sure we understand why Psalm 91 is here. And so, so really in verses 3 through 13, we see several promises of God to us as believers. We don't have to reread them all, but I'll kind of kind of highlight them. It says that, that we see that we'll be delivered from the snare of the fowler. Now the fowler is a term for one who trapped birds. And so what, what really the, the, the text is teaching us is that we're, we're protected from the snare of the one who seeks to trap us or ensnare us. We'll be protected from the diseases that we can't see. Verse 4, we'll be covered by his feathers. We'll take refuge under his wings. And that language really paints a picture of kind of a large bird with its young in the nest. And so they're protected from the elements of the rain by the feathers of their parent as it covers them. But as the winds blow, the parent would put that big strong wing over the nest. And so the winds would deflect off of the parent and all the young would be kept safe. And that's the picture that's being painted there. Verses 5 and 6 again, they point to the arrows by day, the attacks that you see coming, the things, the warfare that you see going around you. The terrors of the night and the pestilence of darkness. That's the reference to the things that you can't see and you're protected from all of those things. And in verse 10 it says, no evil can befall you and no plague will be near your dwelling. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra and trample them underfoot. Now I don't know about you guys, but I think those are some intense promises of protection that we have from the Most High. I mean, verse 10 kind of sums it up. No evil can befall you, no plague upon your dwelling. And that's a pretty good summation of all of those verses. And that is a pretty compelling place to be as a blood-bought child of God, standing square in the promises of God. Now, I remember the old hymn, Standing, Standing, Standing on the Promises of God, my Savior. Standing on the Promises of God. You say, well, Brother Jason, there's no precedent for those promises scripturally. I say, really? What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I would say that, that as they stood faithful in the midst of troubles, they might be inclined to testify that when the fire raged around them, that God put them under his wing and protected them from the elements. And, and what about Daniel? I would say that he might be inclined, as he crawled out of the den of lions, to say that the arrow that flew by day brought no harm to him as he was protected from that very visible uh, persecution that looked him in the eye in the form of a lion. I would say that that's something he could see. He said, well, that, that's Old Testament text, Brother Jason. That's, that's that Old Testament stuff. Well, well, I would say that Paul might be inclined to say that the pestilence 
of night. He was protected by it when he was struck by the cobra and didn't lay down as dead in that moment. I'd say that Peter might be willing to say that the angels kept charge over him when they escorted him out of the prison cell where he lay awaiting death that very night. My friends, if you don't believe that God is still in the protecting and promise-keeping business, I might say that you don't worship the same God that I worship. I have been witness so many times to the fact that our God is a very, very faithful, promise-keeping, protecting, sheltering-in-the-storm kind of God. I've been to the bedside of the one that the doctors deem unable and unfit to ever be well and seen a few days later as the doctors flabbergasted say, we've got to discharge you because we find nothing else wrong with you to keep you here over. Even though a few days ago we thought your next stop would be at the, at the funeral home, we're going to have to send you to your home. And they say, we've got no logical, scientific, medical explanation. Well, I've got a very good explanation. A promise-keeping, faithful God protected someone safe in His arms. We have promises of protection. But if we're going to look at the promises of protection, I feel like we must also look at the condition of His promises. And to get there, we need to look back at verse 1 real quick. If you look back at verse 1, we'll see very quickly the very first of those conditions. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What does that even mean? Well, first off, that's a present tense statement. And so it's showing a continual dwelling. You notice it doesn't say he who once dwelled or he who may dwell. It says he who dwells presently, continually, over and over. He who is dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. That, that word literally means to sit down there, to take up residence, to make that your place. He who takes up residence in the secret place of the Most High. And so what is that secret place? That secret place of the Most High is that unexplained, unparalleled, unrivaled place of protection and comfort that only comes in the Lord. Well, what do you mean, Brother Jason? It's that place. The secret place of the Most High is, is that place where you look around at your situation and you realize that by all earthly and humanly standards, you should be falling apart. But somehow or another, God's holding it together. It's where you look around and you realize that, that, that by every logic that, that is out there, you should not be able to continue to put one foot in front of the other. But somehow you find yourself in this secret place that doesn't make sense where God is just kind of carrying you through that storm. That is the secret place. It's the place... Uh, that, that Paul found himself when he said he was overcome in such a way that, that, he, that he humanly standard possible, he said, I'm not going to make it. But then he goes on to say, but I'm telling you this story, so I obviously made it through the power of God. Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. That place where you get the news that would cripple most. But you settle into that secret place of the Most High. And somehow God carries you through to the other side. And verse 2 says that those who continue to dwell there can say, 
He is my refuge. He is my fortress. My God in him I will trust. And so the first condition that we see for the promises of Christ is that you have to abide or dwell in him. You have to stay living in a place and situate yourself in such a place that you are focused on him and focused on his ways in order to be sheltered by the protections of God. It's not a trust in him one time and move on. It's a continual kind of trusting in the Lord Almighty. We find so many things that we seek to place our trust in. We place our trust in other men. And we put so much emphasis and so much standard on other men. We worry about living up to the standard that we think that they ought to have. We consume ourselves with trying to to protect our, our image from bad news getting out there. Why? Not because we don't want to have an affront against the Most High God, because we don't want our reputation to be affronted by what other people might think of us. We place our faith in other men, and we place our trust in other people, and we place our thoughts on other people. And my friends, every single solitary time that our trust is placed in anything but God, we will be disappointed. I have known great Men and women, and they have all fell short. Not because they wanted to, but because they were sinful in their nature just like me. I have disappointed so many people in my life that looked up to me and looked to me to be something that I just couldn't be. And what I couldn't be was perfect. But I can worship a Savior who has never failed anyone who has never let anyone down and who has never dropped the ball on any situation. He's never forgot to go visit the sick and he's never forgot to comfort the lonely. He has always been there. We put our trust in money. We, we, we think if we can only attain this certain position financially or this certain position in our career, if we can only get there and start earning the money that we think we want to make, then all of a sudden we're going to be happy. And my friends, unfortunately, when you get there, you always find that there's yet another rung on the ladder that you need to climb to to find that happiness. We put our trust in relationships. If I only meet the right man or only meet the right woman or if I only fix this relationship or if I can only, if I can only get this right, then, then that's when I'm going to feel protected and safe and comfortable. But my friends, relationships are merely two sinners who have come together, and they're going to let each other down. God says, abide in me. Not abide in each other, not abide in anything earth, but he says, abide in me, and I will protect you. But you have to abide in me first. Trust him completely. Spend time talking to him daily. Spend time studying the words that he gave us regularly. Verse 9 echoes that same condition, but verse 14 says that when we set him on high, we're going to make him the object of our worship. Verse 15 says when he calls upon us, we will answer him. So all of these promises of protection are amazing, and if we want to stand on those, not only do we have to abide in him, we've got to obey him. And that's perhaps the most difficult condition for us to, to grab as sinful people. We got to obey 
him. You know, one of the great joys outside of church for me is, is coaching Little League Baseball. And the team that, that I coached this year, there, there are some kids on that team that at the beginning of the year didn't know what a bat was, just to be quite honest. And we've worked with them, and we've practiced multiple times a week, and we work, and we work, and we work, and it seems like I keep saying the same thing. If you'll, if you'll hold that bat, if you'll get your stance, if you'll keep your eye on the ball, if you'll finish with your eyes on the ball when it hits the bat, if you'll do that, you'll hit the ball. If you'll do this, you will hit the ball. If you will do this, then you will hit the ball. And the other night in the ball game, one of the little guys who had not hit the ball all year goes two for two. And on his very first hit, he does everything the right way. And he gets to first base and he jumps up and down and he jumps up in my arms and he says, I kept my eye on it. I did what you said, coach, and I hit the ball. And I said, that's right. If you'll just do what I say, you'll get the results that you're looking to get. And I thought about us and how we kind of do that sometimes, don't we? When we keep our eyes on Christ and we live a life obedient to Him and all of a sudden we start to recognize the protection and we start to recognize that suddenly things are, are lining up to make a little more sense in our lives, we look around and go, oh my goodness, when I am obedient to God, things just line up better. I didn't say things were perfect, but things line up better. But we look around like we are in utter amazement that God was faithful when God is faithful. But God has always been faithful. But we, our part is to be obedient. That means that part of abiding safe in the arms of Christ is that when He calls us to something different than we are now, we obediently follow that means when the word that he gives us is different than what we want it to say, we say, I'm going to go with what God says instead of what I want to hear. That when I want to live my life this way, but God's word says I need to go this way, being obedient means going the way of God instead of the going the way you want to go. The promises of protection, the conditions of his promises, and finally this morning, the truth or the results of his promises. The overwhelming struggle with preaching through this psalm is the truth that no matter how hard we pray, is the truth that no matter how obedient we are, that sometimes the cancer comes back. And that sometimes the healing doesn't come the way we want it to. That sometimes, no matter how hard we pray, we still lose our job. Our relationships still fail. No matter what we try to do, sometimes... Bad stuff still happens. And that's what makes this, that's a difficult truth 
to approach to say that if we'll be obedient and if we'll abide in Him, we'll be sheltered by His wing and then to turn around and hear somebody that you know you've prayed with them, you've cried with them, you've lamented with them, you've thanked God with them, you've done everything in the world with them and to see them still get a bad report from the doctor by what we consider an earthly term and go, huh, but we prayed and we were obedient and Psalm 91 said if we did those we'd be sheltered in the arms of Christ and here we are going back to the doctor for one more treatment and here we are at the graveside of the loved one who did in fact pass away and here we are talking about the relationship that used to be so brother Jason explain that to me Psalm 91 says this but the truth of the matter is this And I ask you to consider two verses with me in this text. Verses 11 and 12. And I'm sorry, I didn't get these to you, Miss Loretta, for this point. But Verses 11 and 12. It says, He shall give angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways in their hands. They shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now for all you Bible scholars out there, if you're thinking you've heard that mentioned somewhere else, you would be 100% accurate. This is the same psalm that Satan himself used to quote when he was tempting Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 4, remember Satan takes Jesus up on high and he says throw yourself down. The psalmist wrote that surely the angels will keep you and not let your dash, foot, dash your foot against a stone. Satan quotes this very scripture in trying to twist Jesus in temptation. And Jesus says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And so does this promise in Psalms, the Psalms 91, Brother Jason, does it mean literally that God will protect us? Yes. It means 100% literally that God will protect us. Brother Jason, does it mean nothing bad will happen to us if if we just abide in God? No, it absolutely doesn't mean nothing bad will happen to you. Well, Brother Jason, that's the most contradictory statement I've ever heard. You just said that it means we'll be protected, but then you turned around and said that bad things may still happen. It is absolutely not contradictory. It is yes and kind of statement, and here's what I mean. It means that to dwell in the arms of Christ means to recognize that the problems of this world pale in comparison to the glory that beholds. Let me say that again. To dwell in Christ means to recognize that the problems and the sicknesses and the diseases and the failures of this world pale in comparison to the future glory that awaits you for being a child of God. It means that sometimes, even for believers, cancer comes back. It means sometimes, even for believers, the disease really is terminal and that healing doesn't come in the way we want it to on this side of glory. But bless God for a believer, it's not about being healed on this side of glory. It's about the glory that's to come. My home is not of this world. I'm just passing through. I'm just passing through. I'm just here. In in the glimpse of eternity, I'm here but for a vapor. But for a moment in time. And whatever happens on this world, no matter what sickness befalls me, the house may burn down, the cows may not come home, and mama may get sick. But no matter what happens to me, I know that if I'm safe in the arms of Christ, my eternal security is set in stone. 
that my home is in a glory land that outshines the sun where there will be no more sickness, there will be no more shame, there will be no more pain. I will have a glorified, resurrected body that sings songs that y'all ain't never heard. And it ain't because they so old, and it ain't because they so new. It ain't because they wrote to the peananner, it ain't because they wrote to an electric guitar. It's because they wrote to a Savior, and I don't have a glorified body that can even understand them yet because I'm too dumb. No jokes need to be mentioned. There, I know that I don't understand the things of glory. And I'm perfectly fine not understanding the things of glory as long as I know that I understand that I'm going to be in glory land one day that outsigns the sun. And that means the truth of Psalm 91 is absolutely, positively, 100% doctrinally, theologically, eschatologically, and every other illogically in the world. It is absolutely correct. I am safe. In the arms of Christ, if I'm a blood-bought child of God, because my home is not of this earth, and nothing here, nothing here can ensnare me or hold me back. And that is the peace that passes all understanding, that no matter what comes my way, God will never leave me, and He will never forsake me. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're dealing with, the truth of Romans 8 is this. He's working it out together for the good of those who love him. He's working it out together for the good of those who love him. And that, my friends, is what it means to truly be safe in the arms of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, God, we thank you for your promises of protection. God, we thank you for the truth that if we will abide in you, If we will dwell in you, God, you will cover us and and gird us safe in your arms. And so, God, in the house this morning, God, there are folks who walked in and said, I'm going through a storm, Brother Jason. I'm enduring something right now my health, my wealth, my relationships. My focus, I'm enduring a season, Brother Jason. Would you come and find yourself safe in the arms of Christ this morning? Lay it at his feet. And there's somebody in the house this morning. I know in a room this size, it's bound to be true. Somebody has never felt the protection and the safety and the assurance of crying out, I want to see Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be saved. God, would you give them the conviction and the courage that only you can to recognize that there is a place of refuge. There is a place of peace and comfort. And it is at the foot of the cross, safe in the arms of Christ. God, we love you. We thank you. And we praise you. It's in your sweet name. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.